I don't believe in working young athletes too hard, too early. I mean, Charlie won't be at his best till he's 24, 25. So it's no good burning him out now. It's just trying to bring him on, enjoy himself working with the group. Fantastic, just watching him and seeing the reward he gets from all the training and hard work he puts in. Sport at his best can help us realise and celebrate the differences that individuals have. My ambition is that we do everything we can to make sure that we operate at our best and realise that potential. Hello, you're listening to the England Athletics Podcast. You just heard a flavour of what's coming up. Let me tell you more about it. I've been to Telford Athletics Club to talk to Charlie Carvel, a 17-year-old who won European Under-20 Gold in his first full season in athletics this year. You'll hear from his mum and coach as well. Our featured interview is with the New England Athletics Chair, Gary Shaughnessy. Hear all about his background in community sport and business, his passion for raising awareness of Parkinson's and his vision for track and field. First, out and about in Telford then, Charlie Carvel skated around the track in Trafford to beat Olympic medalist Martin Rooney and set a club record at the age of 16 over the summer. He says one of the main reasons he's spent more time in athletics is because he fell off his bike during lockdown. One, two, three, stick, please, boys, come on. Well, I think I took athletics more seriously, probably because I broke my arm. It was quite a big change. <laughs> I was out with my brother, which went on a bike ride, and I probably wasn't concentrating, and I just came off the front pretty painful. That's okay, I once cycled into a wall, so, you know, we're all in good company here. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At 16, you ran the fastest ever single lap time by a Telford athlete and must have surprised even you. I ran my first race of that season and ran 47.8 and I thought I'm pretty close to this I think I might be able to get it and then obviously I went up to Manchester and raced I got to 200 metres I remember and I thought god they're getting away from me here better get going. Obviously ran the, the time I did and beat the record which was really good. You then find yourself getting GB call-ups. The European Junior Championships is in your sights. Just tell me about approaching that. The trials went not amazingly. Came third there. Sort of put fire in my belly that I wanted to try and get a medal at the Europeans. And I did in the relay, which was really great, but just missed out in the individual. That part of the season I was getting a bit tired because obviously it was my first proper season. I was happy with my performance. Charlie first came to uh, athletics when he was nine years old. I used to coach his older brother and Charlie used to turn up in the summer months and just do a a few bits of training because football was always Charlie's main sport. Obviously at that age we don't ask them to specialise. The more sports they do, the better it is for them because it was obvious from the first time I saw him. He was a natural talent. Covid came along, he fell off his bike, broke his arm, couldn't play football. There we go. You could just look at Charlie and see the way he ran, powered across the ground. You might have a natural talent, but eventually you've got to start working hard. There you go. You've been told to put in the hard work. You were part of the uh, the group that went out to Estonia after a period where none of us have travelled at all, really. So what was that like for you to be part of that? It was absolutely great to actually get away. And uh, I'm actually going back at Christmas, so there we go. <laughs> what, you've got the Estonian bug, you liked it? <laughs> yes, I'm taking the wife out to Christmas markets to repay for letting me go out every other weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. 
you'd never done a race abroad, I believe. You hadn't really any relay experience. What kind of advice can you give someone where they're going into what is a baptism of fire in a way? Well, just go out there and enjoy yourself. No pressure on him at all because he was just come out of nowhere and he hadn't actually ran 10 400 meter races by the time he got to the european champ so he's still in single figures and to be honest he never put a race together all season there was bits that we can improve on and hopefully we can get a good winter training session in and go from there next year ambitions for next year might have changed given what you've achieved recently i think i have the commonwealth games and the world under 20s in mind me and Stu need to have a chat of which one we're really going to aim for but those two competitions are really in my mind at the moment. Yeah, because some youngsters have missed out on junior competitions. The World Juniors last year was cancelled, but I suppose that you're still young enough that the next World Juniors applies to you. So do you almost feel like you're able to achieve something now that's a little bit of a bonus because you've still got some junior years left? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got the Worlds hopefully next year, it all goes well. And then I've actually got another Europeans after that. So yeah, hopefully we get some some major medals which would be really good proud moment for your family as well who i know have some uh, sporting background also what have your parents said i think they're really proud um i'm just really grateful for them for taking me places and supporting me i think your mum's waiting in the car yeah, yeah. <laughs> parents just do that don't they don't need any reward in fact it's fantastic just watching him and seeing the reward he gets from all the training and hard work he puts in yeah, and to go to a European competition and come home with a medal. Yeah. Describe what it was like being there. Exciting mm. uh, to see him. I felt massively proud to see him in a Great Britain vest. Um, nervous, always very nervous when he's got the big events before the races. You know, that they're going to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. And he's still a teenager, though, at heart, yeah. isn't he? You know, yeah. that's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah, he is, yeah. But um, he embraces it and um, he's quite mature in the way he approaches it, the training, the competitions. Yeah, he just seems to handle it very well, really. And actually, as a family, we've been involved in athletics for quite a long time and we've been travelling the Midlands and the country for years, really, now. It's just been a really good experience for you, isn't it? Yeah, which obviously we love and we're really proud of him for achieving what he's achieved. And you're also at an age where a lot of athletes actually consider whether they want to stay in the sport. It must have been the case for you that some people are no longer doing it. So what's your view on that? Because it's quite understandable that some people just find themselves getting busy with other things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is, but um, almost like came to me at a great time because obviously, <laughs> no, I brought it up again, but breaking my arm was... A, it was a good time to do it. Um, it's tough at this age. You either you either really want to do it, or you're moving on to obviously other things because you've got to think about uni and everything like that. So I'm just quite lucky that I'm, I'm in it and doing well in it. You've had to keep this secret, I know, as well, that you've been part of this Olympic Futures Academy. What was it like keeping that a secret? It was a while keeping it a secret, but um, now I'm really, really delighted to be on the Futures programme this year. It shows that they've recognised how my season's gone. We've learned a few things, so they talk to you about like nutrition and strength conditioning and stuff like that, so it'd be good to learn more. I've definitely cut down on the on the junk feet. Still like to go out with my friends, obviously go to Wolves matches, and I went to Reading Festival, which was really good. Got to spend time with my friends, so yeah, I still do. <laughs> still do all the, teenage, all the teenage stuff. Stuart and I will tell you, you're only a teenager once, aren't you? Exactly, yeah, and, and you know, 
Charles is only 17, so he needs to enjoy himself now. <laughs> European junior 4x400m relay champion Charlie Carvel, his coach Stuart Hamilton and his mum Lucy. Later, you'll hear more about the club in Telford, looking ahead to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham as well. Now, though, our featured interview with someone else looking forward to next summer. That's England Athletics' new chair, Gary Shaughnessy, a businessman by trade. He's also competed in more than 25 marathons. And that is quite some feat. Let's hear more about his background in running. I was quite keen as a runner at school. Frankly, I then uh, had a big gap where I, I was focused on football and I played football till I was 45. And then I came back to running just after that, which is about 10 years ago. And I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about seven years ago. And I just started having a go at, at uh, marathons. And that's then become a bit of a, a focus for me, both as a way of managing my condition, but also just something that I, I really loved getting involved in. And uh, I'm up to 26 marathons. I just did the London Marathon with um, my whole family. So it was all five of us did it. And it was a wonderful experience to do that with your whole family is just something that's absolutely superb. A look across local newspaper articles shows that you've been doing a, a number of different things recently, including breaking the world record, I understand, for distance covered while tied to someone else. So three-legged, as it were. What was that like? It was an experience is probably the easiest way to say it. I mean, for me, this is combining exercise and kind of raising awareness for both Parkinson's and also some of the uh, Zurich Community Trust charities that we support. We actually broke, Andy Tucker and I, two world records, the 12-hour world record and the 24-hour. And in 24 hours, we did 117.1 kilometres. It's a good thing we're good friends because being tied together is a bit of a challenge. But um, (laughs) I was going to say. The whole community came down in Silchester, really supported us. We even had... Three guys who uh, had run the London Marathon and done the best time for a four-legged race. They came down and did uh, a few laps to start us off as well. What did you do when it got dark and cold? Did you sort of have any lights on your way or maybe put on a coat or an extra layer or something or not? Silchester Village put a a 400-metre track for us. So we went round and round the, the cricket and football pitches, basically. Um, so there were some floodlights, um, not particularly strong, but there were floodlights there. Yes, we put on extra layers, but what was superb was that we had some people who came down and ran with us. So even at three or four in the morning, we had people running with us, which was just, you know, incredible. And obviously, because it was a world record, we had to have independent witnesses to prove that we, we hadn't taken the... the the bindings off and whatever. So getting someone who doesn't know you, being prepared to stand in a field at three o'clock in the morning, watching or counting you go around a a 400 metre track is um, incredible how people are prepared to put themselves out to support things like this. Yes, and you've done a number of things, as I was saying, uh, 250 kilometre cycle fairly recently across uh, 42 hills, raising awareness for Parkinson's in particular, uh, a cause that is very close to your heart, as as you say. I understand that medically that's with a, a desire to try and make a breakthrough. Well, there's about 145,000 people in the UK 
who have Parkinson's or have been diagnosed. There are others who will have it and haven't been diagnosed. But it affects, we think, about a million people in the UK today simply because the impact it has on families, the impact it has on loved ones who have to deal with their partner or, or father or mother deteriorating. It's a degenerative condition. There is no cure currently. There's medication that helps mask the condition. But the medication that's the primary medication that's used, levodopa, was actually created in the 1960s. So actually before we landed on the moon. So the fact that with all the changes and developments that have gone on, we haven't managed to find a, a leap forward from that is incredible. It's the fastest growing uh, major neurological condition. So for me, part of this is about awareness, about people understanding what Parkinson's is. Part of it is about supporting trials in new drugs that can either slow down the progression, deal with some of the symptoms, or even hopefully stop the progression and, and, and mask the symptoms completely. Part of it is also getting the message around exercise. The, the only really proven thing that slows down Parkinson's is exercise. And it doesn't have to be marathons. Literally, gardening, it can be walking. We've even got programs of seated exercise for people who, who, who can't uh, walk particularly well. And um, it just makes a real difference, as well as, as uh, sport does generally, a much more sort of social atmosphere for people as well. So it's been a real benefit for me, but I'd like to get the message out to people generally. Yes, you're passionate about a number of things and, and clearly being at the forefront of Britain's, let's say, fights in terms of Parkinson's and raising awareness means a lot. Community sport does as well. You touched on there playing football. You've been part of, uh, in Whitchurch in Hampshire, local cricket club and also the football club as well. I got involved both as a player, then uh, for a short time as a, as a manager for the, the uh, first team, and then a coach for some of the youth team and, uh, and ultimately as chairman and, and now president. Again, it's it's about bringing to people together in a community. Uh, you know, there are uh, people who will end up being very good footballers, and there'll be people who end up wanting to just watch and be involved, and you know, do the tea bar or cut the pitch. But it's a it's a, a great way of binding a community together. And, and the, the we church uh, football club is is called the Jam Boys. There used to be a jam factory in the town, and it's been going for about 105 years, I think it is. The leading men's team plays in the Wessex League, uh, so I had the, the opportunity to play in the FA Cup actually a couple of couple of times. Unfortunately, we didn't get very far. That's certainly a unique nickname. Did you have many sweet victories with the Jam Boys? Oh, I wish I wish I could say that was true. We had a few raspberries as well, but so. <laughs> What would you say your approach to being a, a football manager was? Because uh, some see it as a very glamorous job. Obviously, there are different levels of the sport. But what was your approach? I managed the first the under 16s and then 17 and 18s. Dealing with youngsters who are coming through at that age is a real experience, shall I say? And what it taught me was about being able to deal with different kids who, who have different styles and will, will respond to different treatments. So just having a single, the answer is, you know, let's tell everyone to do the same thing in the same way. Some people need a, an arm put around them and an encouragement. Some people need to 
a bit of confidence. Uh, some people need constant coaching and some people need to be just given a bit of space and the opportunity to show how good they are. And it's not about you, it's about the, the, the team. And playing in the right way with respect to your opponents, with respect to the, your teammates, enjoying the game as opposed to feeling that you've just got to win and, and regardless. It taught me quite a lot actually about how to motivate different personalities. England Athletics Chair Gary Shaughnessy. A little later we'll chat about what athletics can learn from some of his business and sporting pursuits. He mentioned just there about bringing through young talent. That's something that Telford Athletics Club coach Stuart Hamilton's doing in respect of the teenage 400 metre runner Charlie Carvel. They were actually part of Bridge North AC until it had to close, citing a shortage of volunteers a few years ago. Time now to hear a bit more about their facility at Oaken Gates in Telford. I was there on a chilly Thursday night. Telford does the whole range from sprints, middle distance, long distance, cross country. Very good javelin throwers here at Telford as well. So uh, it's across the board and there's a great group of coaches that works at Telford and puts a lot of effort in. Now Bridge North Club had to close a couple of years ago, didn't it? So just tell me about being welcomed into Telford kind of the last year or two. Yeah, Telford's been really good. Well, we've got a little group going on. We've all been invited very warmly. At this time of year, we're doing endurance work. So we'll probably do three weeks of endurance where they'll probably do, in a session, between three to four k's worth of efforts, split into various programmes, 10-4s, 22s. And then every third week, we'll do a speed session just to make sure they've still got speed in the legs. <laughs> and then at weekends, we're in what we call the sheep field where they're doing hill work and they really look forward to that. <laughs> What's the balance between working them hard and making sure, you know, it's still enjoyable? You have to just know your athletes, basically. No matter what month plan I make, I tend to amend it because being youngsters, they go up and down like yayos, they get tired, they've got school work, they've got social events to go. So we're always quite flexible with what training plan we do. And it's just a case of trying to motivate them to work as hard as they can. Because this time of the year, it is the worst time for an athlete. Dark nights, cold, no competitions, you're just you know, working quite hard. Yeah, but it's, it's like the equivalent for some people going to the gym, isn't it? Yeah. Putting in the hard work so you're ready when you, you come out and compete. It's a fine balance between how hard you push them and how much rest you give. And they've just got to knuckle down and do it. And to be fair, as you can see tonight, they all work hard. They have a bit of a, a grumble and a moan and try and change the set, but uh, they always do it. Come on, boys. Come on, keep going. To the line. Ready? 27, one. I knew you could do it. So we're not too far away from Birmingham, which will host the Commonwealth Games. Do you think much benefit will be derived for people and, and clubs outside of Birmingham? I think so, because I think that it showcases athletics and certainly... The 2012 Olympics, we had a massive influx of uh, children come to athletics after that. I think we doubled the membership at the club at the time. It's just a question of uh, making the most of it, hopefully some good performances and children obviously come and want to give it a go. Do you think it's possible that there'll be more access to facilities in the Midlands area? Potentially? Well, obviously, the facility they're going to have at Birmingham is going to be fantastic. Um, so that should encourage everybody. And they are going to make sure that it's open to all the schools in Birmingham and things like that. So I think that will help greatly, yes. In any case, here, there has been a resurfacing of the track 
that's had an impact right here. Oh yeah, Telford and Reaking Council have been absolutely brilliant actually, um, refurbishing the track and the stand, so you couldn't really ask for more than that. And obviously they're hoping to attract some teams from the Commonwealth to come and train here as well. Oh, yeah. So that would be that would be a real advantage. That would be brilliant because it really actually matters what the relationship is like between a club and a council yeah. so that you have that working basis. So if that's good, then that is really half the job. Oh, it is, yeah, definitely. And if sort of they could get Jamaica to come down here and train, that would be quite <laughs> interesting. <laughs> See what Charlie could do then. Yeah, well, Usain Bolt was in Birmingham. I think they even gave a shout-out during the the Olympic Games to everyone back in Birmingham which is great to see so if someone is able to give out a shout out on TV to Telford that would be even better it would be yeah I know you're uh, still in touch with football in that you're a Wolves fan I mean it must be great for you to even think about the the potential to be part of a local Commonwealth Games because you're a sports fan right as well yeah it's really good um, for the Commonwealth to be in Birmingham it's going to be I think really good for Birmingham in itself not too far from Wolverhampton, so, I mean, we're not doing amazing at the moment. Obviously, we watched a lot of the Olympics, and uh, we, we did okay, but hopefully more success in the Commonwealth Games, which would be really good. So how long are they recovering for now? Two minutes. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Go! So what do we think of that session, then? I was really pleased with the session. It's a tough session tonight, you know, because that's really is quite quick. As you can see, at the end of it, they were <laughs> needing a good sit down for ten minutes, but uh, we'll get them now to do a bit of a cool down and then go home and get some tweed. <laughs> were you pushed hard tonight? Was that all right? Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was session, yeah. Tough session. Can you tell them how nice the coach is, please? I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comments. No comment. I mean, that's some you up. Good fun there being had in Telford between Stuart Hamilton and his training group. Also looking ahead to the Commonwealth Games in nearby Birmingham. On this subject, Journey to 2022 is a campaign that's just been launched by England Athletics. It's about celebrating our sport, championing athletes in the context of the long-term strategy for it. Commonwealth gold medalists Greg Rutherford, Jason Gardner, Christine Uhurugu, Tony Jarrett and David Weir have been supporting the launch of the campaign. I am incredibly excited about the Commonwealth Games coming back to England. Not only coming back to England, coming back to what is an incredible city for athletics, Birmingham. I'm really excited about a journey for the sport leading to the Commonwealth Games in 2022 because I know we put on great events in this country. I love the idea of home games. I love the idea of fans, spectators, friends, families, athletes, being able to be so close to the action, being given the opportunity to really enjoy sport without having to go too far. (laughs) The journey to 2022 is for the next generation, the next youngsters, the next superstars. This is going to be awesome. Every year we see packed out stadiums full of people desperate to see the best athletes in the world and they will not be disappointed again at the Commonwealth Games in 2022. And I'm just excited to inspire the next generation to represent England because it was a proud moment for me to win to win a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games for my country. It's going to raise uh, the, the inspiration and aspiration of many young people to get involved in sport and in particular athletics. The young generations we're going to see great athletes coming out there especially on home turf 
I remember I won my European juniors at Birmingham. So, you know, having that home crowd and, and having that, that experience. Home games just lifts morale so so much and it's something that we really do need. We saw back in 2002 in Manchester how incredible the Commonwealth Games are. It's going to provide great opportunities for our volunteers and officials and coaches um, and give a real good feel factor as we um, look to progress our sport in years to come. It also gives the athletes a real, a real target and a real motivation to want to compete in their home ground to create these memories that last forever. It's going to be very, very special and I hope to see as many of you as possible there in Birmingham. What a city and what a Commonwealth Games we're expecting. Well, keep an eye out on social media for the hashtag EAJourney22 on the England Athletics website. As well, there'll be content and in this podcast, there'll be an in-depth look at athletes' progress from early years through to England selection and how they've been supported by family, friends, teachers, coaches, officials, volunteers and countless others within the sport. On our website, englandathletics.org, you can send in your stories that evidence the power of the sport against the backdrop of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Let's go back now to England Athletics Chair Gary Shaughnessy. I asked him what he's looking forward to in his role and what he thinks the sport can do better. I think uh, we can learn a lot both in terms of individuals and also collectively as a, as a sport and target setting, setting goals and achieving them. Learning from success and learning from failure. Sport gives you the opportunity. Sometimes that's not an opportunity that you want, but uh, you fail and then you have to work out how you progress and, and, and put that right the next time so does business and people focus a lot on learning from failure but less so on learning from success and every time in, in a business environment you have something that works you've then got to think about what's the next move forward what's the next step how do you take that and and make something that may be successful in a small sense something that you can run across the across the world whether it's sports or whether it's business or whether it's uh, the work that we, you know, I'm, I'm doing with um, Parkinson's UK, it's about learning. If you can learn from those around you, you can constantly find ways of improving, setting new targets for yourself. Business environment over the last 20 years that I've operated in has changed enormously. You know, digital engagement was a minor part of the, of the business world uh, 20 years ago. Now it's fundamental you know the world is now a very small place in terms of opportunity to communicate if you're a business that works in the right way that has the right ethics then you attract people to come and work for you because you know how do you do things with the right standards the right approach and the right values i think is consistent between sports and business in a, in a way that we really can learn from and in terms of the sport of track and field specifically are there any key goals that are driving you as chair of England Athletics? Anything that you'd like to see, perhaps including how athletics might be able to market itself better to kind of harness all of the people who are so uh, obsessed and, and keen runners across the country? Maybe it's something to do with young people and, and keeping them in the sport, maybe trying to improve facilities. Any key goals you're driven towards? 
So for me, the big aim is about realising our potential. And that's both talented athletes who can ultimately run in the Olympics, or it can be how we realise our potential in society. I mean, I think athletics and running is such a core part of sport and, and such a major part of participation, coaching and spectatorship. Sport at its best can help us realise and celebrate the differences that individuals have. It can be a mechanism to help create confidence. It can enable people to progress and achieve their dreams. And it also can help people be part of a community and and society. It helps physical health, it helps mental health. And it helps create an environment where we, we kind of respect each other. My ambition is that we do everything we can to make sure that we operate at our best and realise that potential. I'm incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity to be, you know, become chair of England Athletics. I think there are some really dedicated people that I've, I've come across already to be able to to work with people across the sport, whether it's coaches, officials, volunteers of all sorts. It's a real privilege to have the opportunity to do it, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to seeing us realise the opportunities that we have. So you don't see three-legged races coming in at the England Championships this year, do you? <laughs> well, I, I think we feel that we've set a bit of a, a, a standard, but uh, no, I don't think I don't think three-legged racing or, or uh, other school sports like sack racing or whatever is going to make a comeback. Yes, well, we'll keep an eye on your world record in any case. How does it work when you've set a, a world record? Do you have to wait for official ratification to come through, as it were? We do, yes. We've sent off 24 hours of video. We had to video the whole thing. Statements from uh, all, the, all the witnesses, uh, the Strava feed and Garmin feed, and uh, can take up to 12 weeks for us to have ratification. And fingers crossed, that's what we'll get. Whether we do or whether we don't, we've done 117.1 kilometres, and I, I, I won't be doing it again, put it that way. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Gary, it's been great to chat to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Alex. No surprise that he won't be doing uh, that amount of mileage tied to someone else again. Well, thank you very much to Gary, to Stuart, Charlie, Lucy for all being part of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening. More to come next month. For now, though, thanks for tuning in and goodbye.